Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Snapshot episode 47. I'm Brendan Patrick, joined by Marvel Snap Phenom KM Best. I am once again in Barcelona. So you if you're watching on YouTube, you will see my stoic, unrelenting gaze. KM Twitch drops this week. How has your week in Marvel Snap been? Uh, honestly, this Twitch drops has been much more low key than the previous Twitch drops. I feel like partially because they didn't promote it as what much and partially because it's just not as uh, big of a thing, I guess. And you do it two months in a row. So I've actually instead of been like, oh, my God, I have to stream every day during Twitch drops. I've just been treating this like a normal week where it's like, oh, I'm having some normal Marvel Snap fun. Uh, Marvel Snap the game, I feel like I'm running into a point where it's like I really need them to do something about this metagame because it's getting very centralized to the degree that I don't feel like I, not that like you can't cook, but like I'm throwing away small percentage points if I do things that are not werewolf things. I feel like we've somehow ended up in exactly the Elsa meta where like the three best decks are just like uh, werewolf plus this werewolf plus this werewolf plus this. And it's like, oh, man, I really wish I could play a different play style. You know, I really wish Thanos was still around stuff like that. Uh, other than that, I think I'm having a pretty good time. That's super interesting. So obviously I've been somewhat out of the meta because I've been in Barcelona for a flesh and blood. Is it is it the case? Because even when we talked last week and we talked a week before. You know, prior to the the nerfs, or at least the most recent patch, Werewolf was like, okay, it's a big body, but it's not as big as some of the insanely big bodies we've had in the past. It's not doing Loki things. I mean, it's fine. It is fine, to the point, but it's like okay, annoying. Is it getting to the point now where it's a little bit less fine in the context of the meta? I don't even know if it's not not fine. It's just like, this is the second meta in a row where the best thing to do has been uh, scaling threat mixed with Loki. And then after that, there's scaling threat mixed with other stuff. And it's like, I kind of just wish that that play style wasn't the only thing being rewarded. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, I miss being able to play one card a turn. You know what I mean? All right. I miss being able to do I that. Qu question for me. So you said this meta and the last meta. So both of those metas, I think, encapsulate the ladder coming out, like the leaderboard. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong there. Correct me if I am. Do you think that potentially because there's a leaderboard now, the margins are so thin when you're at the higher end of that leaderboard that that has partially led to you you making you it feels like you can't really play a lot of decks, doesn't feel like you can cook. Do you think that that has any validity? Uh, I mean, I would... <sighs> Not not for me personally, because I never liked losing <laughs> mm -hmm. for me personally. No, I don't think that does much. I never liked losing in the first place. I was never someone who was going to stick with a deck when it wasn't, you know, working. Right. And so I think maybe for others, but not 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 for myself, I think. Let's let's dissect cooking and what that means like what are you what are you trying to do that you can't do in this meta i, know I don't even i don't even mean necessarily like cooking i don't want to play super off meta i just want to be able to play on meta and have it not be either scaling threat loki scaling threat something else or destroy right like i just want to be able to play i want i miss being able to play one card a turn i miss it i do I know Lambie released his like he was like he told me like a week ago, like I might have a leader deck and he put it out there and it's like the leader Sandman Darkhawk thing. And it's like, I get it. I want that to be top tier, too. But I feel like if you're 
doing stuff like a tournament, if you're trying to climb ladder, there's just no reason to play any of that stuff instead of the stuff with werewolf in it, especially Loki. Mm. It's interesting. Do you, do you feel nostalgic for those older style of decks at that point? It's funny to use the word nostalgic. I do. It's only been a few months. <laughs> I do. I feel nostalgic for playing uh, like like just a dark hawk into like wave. <laughs> I feel nostalgic oh, for high evolutionary. I feel I feel nostalgic for this. I do. It's it's my own my own failing. Mm. All right. Let's talk about Gladiator. Gladiator recently released. It's a three seven says on reveal, add a card from your opponent's deck to their side of this location. And if has if it has less power, destroy it. I think I saw some tweets from you. Obviously, I was kind of tuning in intermittently that you were not super high on this car- card, and then you came around a little bit after maybe trying a few deck lists. What was your experience with Gladiator? I'm still not super high on him as a six thousand token card. Which is to say, yeah. there's no world where you should reasonably buying this and you're not like a Marvel Snap streamer. <laughs> like, I bought it because I'm a Marvel Snap streamer. The deck I'm playing it in, the Doc Ock deck, uh, you could replace it with Polaris and that might improve the deck. <laughs> I haven't done that improvement because I like Gladiator. He's kind of fun. Three sevens, good numbers, right? But you do not need to buy this card for basically any deck that he goes in. Oh, the dichotomy of Marvel Snap. I feel like this is a consistent yep, it is. talking point for us. As these cards come out, it's like, oh, because it exceeds X tokens, just don't buy it. Wait for the broken card. And I mean, I, it's funny because Second Dinner obviously realizes the flaw in the system and they want us to buy all the cards or they want to make the cards good. They don't want us to be skipping cards, like clearly skipping cards. Like this is this is bad. It's never going to impact anything. Nobody buys it. That, that is absolutely not their intention. But on the other hand, their system sort of incentivizes this exact behavior, and it it creates sort of this bad pattern on both sides where the community is only willing to buy powerful and maybe overpowered cards. And there, as them as a publisher, they're also incentivized to create powerful and overpowered cards. They sure are. (laughs) Oh, what a a healthy relationship we have with Second Dinner right now, Marvel Snap. Yeah. I'm sure... do you have any do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, obviously it's a huge topic, but it's just funny as we come back week. I got I got nothing after, new. I got nothing new, right? Like I I think that they need to have latitude to release bad cards. And the the change like this is this is the weird bit about it. People seem to be asking for price to explicitly be tied to power. They're like, look, if it's going to be implicitly tied to power, make it explicitly tied to power. And if you think a card sucks, put it in series four. (laughs) And that's kind of seems to be what people are asking for. And it's like, damn, we've come that far, huh? That's where we're at. (laughs) I feel like it goes two ways, right? Where if they priced a card at 6,000 because it was powerful, it pissed people off because they're making powerful cards more expensive. But People are very happy to ask for underpowered cards to be priced less. <laughs> yeah, and it's the same thing with series drops. People are like, why is, Why don't you just dro- series drop Howard, right? And it's like, why don't you just make it more explicit that we're going to charge you more for good cards, right? <laughs> like, Marvel Snap still advertises itself as not pay to win. And they're just like, what if you just were explicitly pay to win? Yeah, I've mentioned it before and I'll mention it again because it still happens to this day. I get targeted by an advertisement with Ben Broden and it's like, what if you just couldn't buy all the cards? It's like, oh my God. Yeah. Unique collections. Unique. It's the funniest collections. 
what if on day one you just couldn't buy the powerful cards? It's like, this is so far away from my Marvel Snap experience at this point. <laughs> hilarious that that ad just keeps getting running. Anyway, um, this week's episode is going to be a large bend the Snap section, so we're just going to go ahead and head into that. We had a bunch of awesome questions and comments in the last YouTube video. If you had yours read out, and shoot us a comment on YouTube, and we'll get it queued up for next week. But this one comes from me taking a stand. They say, I think the experience of Miss Marvel drastically varies depending on skill and also access to echo if you don't have echo she's often just going to be a 415 you can tech you can tech for her but a lot of decks that use her either punish the tech or invalidate i definitely wouldn't hate a slight nerf to miss marvel just to make her a bit less overwhelming if you don't have the tech your thoughts can i don't think echo has anything to do with it that's that's the I i don't think echo has a single thing to do with it it's got nothing to do with echo and it's got everything to do with it's not necessarily skill. It's like collection level, right? Like the higher up you get, the more you're able to deal with the card being a 415, the more you're able to play cards like Rogue in your deck. You might not actually have access to that. That If you'd made that your argument, I would have been like, yeah, OK, maybe. Because I do think Miss Marvel's a lot better at early pools than she is later. But like the other thing that makes Miss Marvel better at early pools, it's not skill. It's that most decks in early pools are not the kind of decks that overlap very much in terms of cost, with the exception of Zoo. So they're easy includes for Miss Marvel, right? She makes a lot of sense in those early pool decks because those early pool decks, for the most part, are just like, you know, dumb guy curve out decks. You play a two, a three, a four, a five and a six, right? And ongoing as an archetype is never as viable as it is in those early pools, right? Like you have like a Miss Marvel into Namor and that's actually like kind of unbeatable. And... Then you add like a spectrum on top. It's also kind of unbeatable. And so there's this like uh, it's not that she doesn't scale with skill. She does sort of like inversely scale with skill, I think. But it has nothing to do with Echo or the availability of the counters and everything to do with the viability and the type of decks that she goes in being much more popular lower down the ranks and lower down the collection level. Mm. Yeah, it's also interesting. This is something we've talked about before, but... It's hard for me to empathize with the new player or sort of pull one, pull two, early pull three experience with the concept where you can just like buy one of the new cards. Because back when I played, yeah, you um, couldn't do that. It was, it was just series three, right? You just had to unlock them. But the yeah. idea that someone's in pull two and then picks up or picks up like an Alioth or a Thanos or a High Evo or a Loki or, you know, probably a Werewolf by Night. That's just, I, I, I've never played that type of Marvel Snap. And it's just, kind of funny because the balancing of the cards does change drastically based on the context of where people exist in the pool process yup that's definitely true but I don't think it has anything to do with that though <laughs> true <laughs> alright the next one comes from Jossie's story they say data mines for December and January season seem to indicate that there's going to be two new releases on the first week of each season the season pass card plus another card in spotlight caches I'm a bit concerned about this especially for free to play players who are more likely to not have enough resources when a powerful card releases for the season. What are your guys' thoughts? On top of this, all the new releases in December and January are data mined to be Series 5. I speculate that this means Series Drops is likely returning to replace direct to Series 4 releases. As a season pass buyer, I actually preferred the flexible drops more cards on release by buying Series 4, car- uh, by buying series four cards with tokens. Thoughts on the overall Series Drops? You thought about this at all, Cam? And were you? Yeah, I actually have. I want to talk about the second half of that question, though. And they're like, series drops are returning to replace uh, series four releases. I think that would suck so bad if they did it. 
Because when they announced flexible series drops, that's what allows things to enter the pool in series four, right? Like that's what it is, right? And the fact that they announced it and then haven't done any series drops, okay, mental journey here. There's only like one real reason why they wouldn't have done that. And that is because they worked, right? Like that is because when they stopped doing series drops, they probably made a lot of money. (laughs) That is, that is why you would announce something is happening and then be like, Oh God, we can't do this anymore. Uh, Oh my God. We, we are, we are making money hand over fist or something like that. Right? Like that, that feels like it has to be the reason, but I mean, maybe it's just like, you know, various other things, whatever it is, though, I think it would be fair to say that when they announced flexible series drops and did that first few months of no series drops, whatever feedback they have internally must have been very good or they wouldn't have kept not doing it right. Like whatever, whatever metrics they look at must have been really good. So when we talk about series drops returning, I guess my question is like, why? And what would they even look like? Like if the only assumption I can make from the fact that they haven't done them is they accomplished like by not doing them, they accomplished whatever goal they were trying to do. And they're worried that by doing them, they would be, you know, setting back whatever progress in that goal. Does that make sense? Like when we talk about series drops coming back, I mean, God knows I, I, I wish they would. I mean, I, I'm, I'm all for anything that makes the game cheaper all the time. That's that's what I like. But I would imagine that they're I would imagine that like they were such a success because we haven't seen them. Correct. Like they must have been an internal success or they would have come back by now. Am I wrong on that? I mean, it's interesting. Uh, To be honest, I just haven't thought about it too much. So the only answer I have for you, which is a pretty shitty, shitty answer to give as you know, part of this podcast is, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just, don't I can't, know, there's, there can't be any other reason, right? Like, it's not like you as a company go out there and are like, we're going to announce a bait and switch today. Like, that's not how that works, right? You announce something and you do that with goals in mind and you're like your goals, whatever they are, apparently they were accomplished by just not dropping any cards. Yes. And one thing we do know is, second bidder's goals <laughs> those are very clear at this point so um the monetary or at least money go up is definitely a big factor and probably a lot of the processes i mean i don't even know if it's money go sales. up right like we had like what we know about their goals for series drops was the issue was that people just wouldn't buy cards they'd wait for them to downgrade right mm, and right. they talk about that as an issue but like by the same time what you're saying is the issue is people get to play the game for free. (laughs) I think the the logic behind series drops was like totally fine. Maybe it didn't percolate to the human behavior, but the idea that people who wanted the instant gratification of playing with the card could pay more for it and people in the future could pay at a discounted price. You know, yeah, I mean, um, I think that I think I think the idea makes sense, too. And then like it just ran into the wall of human nature, which is why would I pay for this when I can wait and get it free? Right. I'm never paying for this. And so like people just weren't buying new cards. And that's just not how they wanted the game to go. That said, I think the issue I have with the way they've handled the series drop saga is that instead of providing another way to like acquire these cards for free, they just didn't do that. Right. Like like that. That feels like the original promise of Marvel Snap was the people who want to pay to win can pay to win. But you'll eventually get there. 
That was how yeah. it was in Series 3. That was how it was with Nexus events. That was how it was with Series drops. And I feel like that just... I, I don't know how you go back to that, right? Especially if they've been as successful as they, I, I'm guessing, have been with the current model that they have, which is basically like, you know, no, you don't get this for free. You never get this for free. Give us your money, right? Like, give us, not necessarily give us your money. Save up a bunch of tokens. Save up a bunch of spotlight caches. Because I think the game has got, like, this is the weird thing about Marvel Snap. I think the game has gotten overall cheaper, but a free-to-play player has not seen their stock improved much. Does that make sense? Yes, that like, makes sense. An, have. The game has definitely gotten cheaper for people who want to spend money. You have to you are able to get good collections by spending less money. But as a free to play player, I feel like you're almost in the exact same spot while everyone who spends money is doing better relatively than they were a year ago. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. I want to ask you a question from myself, and that's do you think that the Marvel Snap player base on the aggregate and i'm not just saying from like the you know the peak and it started to kind of i don't know lose a missing do you think it's contracting on the aggregate and if so even no if idea. not to okay <laughs> let's 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 assume let's assume it is what do you think that second dinner can do to sort of turn that around and bring back some of this interest into marvel snap and kind of bring back some of the players that may have left because they were so jaded with the internal systems of the game i'll be honest I think that you're taking people complaining on the internet a bit too seriously. Like, I just don't actually know if any of that is true. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to talk about that because I have no evidence that the premise of the question is true. Like, pe- sense. I like, mean, that, that's that- I, people have been saying, oh, this is terrible. I'm quitting for the whole time the game has been out. That's like part of a game's life cycle. <laughs> this is yeah. everyone is like, this is the worst shit ever. I'm leaving. I have no idea if Marvel Snap's player base is contracting. I don't I don't want to speculate on whether or not it is or not and what they should do about it because I don't know if it is. Marvel Snap is in an interesting position too because it's it's hard to evaluate that that metric um, in particular because Marvel Snap doesn't really just appeal to card gamers. It, yeah, well, I mean, it's probably the minority. It appeals to mobile gamers, and they're they're a different breed. Like there's yeah. a lot of people that play Marvel Snap that aren't on Twitter, aren't in Discord, don't read Marvel Snap Zone, don't listen to podcasts. They just boot up the thing at night and play a few games, and that audience is pretty much on an island for people like you and I, like we never really hear from them. That's not true. That's not true. Okay. Like I've been doing videos uh, about like magic players rating cards. And one of the Mm -hmm. most common comments I see is I've never played another card game. So it's really interesting to hear a person who's played a lot of card games, evaluating Marvel snap cards. Like that's like probably the most common sentiment I, I hear in my comments is Mm. I am one of those people I'm a mobile gamer. I'm not a card gamer. I've never played another card game. And now I'm I'm hearing how card game players evaluate this card game. So my theory is that there's there's an audience even further that doesn't look mm. at YouTube videos for the game that actually just boots it up and plays it casually. But that has to be a very there has to be quite a significant number of people that play it just as a mobile game that they saw on the app store. They've downloaded and have no equity in the community content, etc. I'm sure there are. I just 
It's one of those things again. It's like I have, I, have, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't, I don't know like either. I try, I try really hard. Like, and I know this sounds weird because I definitely was talking out of my ass a little bit for uh, the segment on series drops. I'm definitely just guessing there, but I try really hard to not talk out of my ass as much as I can. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's actually quite a skill being able to say I don't know rather than just making up some bullshit. Yeah, like I I I don't know about this one. About series drops, I'm guessing. And I guess that's a little bit different, but I like I seriously can't think of any other reason why they wouldn't have brought them back right now. Like you don't just go out there and announce something and then go back to your ivory tower and sit there and cackle about how you tricked people into sticking with your game for another 3 months and you're never actually going to do this. That's just not a thing that you do that's not real right like this is not uh like w- the reasons why you would do this are very like you know metric and balance sheet based right like they're not they're not like we intentionally announced series drops to trick these people into sticking around and then we're never gonna bring them back <laughs> that's just not real and that's how a lot of people seem to talk about it mm. All right, our next question comes from Akla1601, and this is in reference to a anti-Loki card. Um, they say, what about a 3-4 that says players can't add cards to their hands from outside of the first card draw each turn? It would affect cards like Crystal, Adam Warlock, as well as things like Loki or Mirage. MTG has a similar effect that shows up every now and then and seems... And they see some amount of play, but never feels broken. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's like, fine, but I think we saw with Mobius that just, like, throwing a tech card in your whatever doesn't really work too well, especially when that tech card costs three. So I think if you had to make a card like that, it would be have to be at the old Mobius stat line, right? Where you can free include this and it hoses Loki. But I also think, you know, what's the point of making another Loki hoser? Obviously, it won't come out, like, before... God knows. I don't know what the, I don't know how long their development process is actually. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they can get that out fast, but like maybe they get that out in six months and Loki isn't really a thing anymore. Like, I don't know. Like it just it just feels a little like instead of doing that, what if they just nerfed Loki? You know? Yeah. Like, so the, the reason why I picked this comment is because I've been been playing Flesh and Blood. Or at least I've been around a lot of Flesh and Blood recently, and there's a deck that I'm fond of called Kano. It's a combo deck. And Basically, since the deck's inception, a lot of the sets that have come after have just added these cards that absolutely hose the shit out of that deck. <laughs> and they, they can just be almost free roll included in the deck. So, like, the game has very strict mechanics on, like, this card can only be used for these kind of situations, for, like, physical damage, and it's a defense reaction. But then they print things that are like, oh, it's an instant, and it blocks the same amount on a physical attack and an arcane attack, or, like, this, because... That means nothing inherently to me. evasive. Well, I'll tell you, okay. my point is that playing against hosers constantly feels like shit. It sucks. Yeah. It's like, it's so much worse than them, you know, trying to find innovative ways to potentially move Loki out of the meta. Maybe that's power creep, but also maybe it's nerfing Loki or just other things coming in, you know, new play styles that actually are good yeah. against Loki that aren't just hate bears. Because hate bears yeah. suck, dude. They're hate so unfun suck. to play against. Yes. Yeah. And that, that was why I picked it out, because I had, I would literally couple hours ago i was watching someone play some kano and there is a piece of equipment it starts on board it is a one single card and if you have it versus the stack it's like minus 10 damage off the combo it's minus 33 percent of the, the combo's damage so it's like it's such a freaking hoser and it requires no skill and it's one card and it's just like that just sucks to play against it's not fun so yeah i, I don't think i like these like these hoser cards to be honest i'd rather the game adapt in a different way Local anyway. paper player hates when a scissors is printed. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. Doctor. All right. Next question is from Doctor. Doctor Drew. Hold on. They say I want to. I want to mm-hmm. stop you here for a second. I feel like your audio is coming out of my headphones and bleeding into my audio. Is that going to be an issue? Um, it's like super low level. It. It's like super super low level, but I can see my audio input capture like going a little bit when you talk, like at like minus fifty five decibels. Probably not, to be honest, at that low because it just gets cut out via the gate. I believe. Okay, because it's like all below minus fifty. As long as as long as that's cool, I'm cool. Okay. I did. All right, I'm ready. Yeah, ready. go. Yeah, that should be. All right, the next question is from Dr. Droom. They say, I think it's reasonable to pump Kitty or Angela by one power. I never see those decks anymore. And and the two times I have since the nerf, it's been a really sad experience for my opponent. So basically saying, you know, Kitty, Angela, they were nerfed for a different meta. You know, they had cards nerfed around them. Eventually, now that we exist in the modern meta, they should be brought back up to a different power level. What do you think? Yes, absolutely. I mean, they even mentioned this in the Angela patch notes. Like, we know this might kill her. Basically, it was the gist I got from it was like, look, we know this might kill her, but we're not making any further changes to the core until we can see how it plays out. Uh, We've seen how it played out. I would love Kitty to get buffed. I would love Angela to get buffed. Those are my girls. Hell yeah. How would you for Kitty? What do you think that they could do for Kitty? Just add the the power back? Give her her two power back. Yeah. And Angela back uh, back up to like the original. Uh, what about dangerous, what about like two, three plus one? Like that seems fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have, like the next comment I had here was from JC, and they they literally said, "Can Kitty become a playable card again?" They nerfed her in the ground and nerfed all the cards around her. Yep, and they're super bummed about that. I'm super I, bummed honestly, about that. Kitty's so been my favorite card since she came out. I don't know if Kitty's my favorite card. It just went into all my favorite decks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like she she came out and there was like a brief two, like I would say about a two day window before they disabled her the first time where you could play her through wave. And so she was this unbelievable Thanos wave card where you could play her through wave. And also, if you didn't want to do that, you could just dump her into Lockjaw. And also, if you rolled her off of Lockjaw, you could just put her in your hand. <laughs> this is when you still controlled whether she bounced to hand or not. Oh god. And then they disabled her because that broke the game. Oh yeah. Um, back in the day day. Right yeah, back there. in the day day. And then after she came out the first time, she was just like uh getting plus two every turn. Obviously, she was phenomenal there. You'd play like Kitty Shuri, etc. etc. And then that got nerfed again. And then she went down to the plus one. And then Elsa came out. Oh, no, 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 that wasn't Elsa came out before Elsa came out. Kitty Shuri was back again because of the Forge buff. Actually, it was like Forge, Hulkbuster, all that stuff. So this one Forge was a two plus three. So you do like Forge, Hulkbuster, Shuri, the kitty. God loved that, too. Then Elsa came out and they preemptively brought her down to a zero. Right. And so that killed off Kitty Shuri again. And then Elsa came out and she was in the best deck. And then they were like, okay. We're going to kill everything else around her now. We're killing Elsa. We're killing Angela. And that, unfortunately, did finally take her off the map. Next one here is from Tarma. They say, hey, Cam and Brendan, I've been enjoying the podcast for a little while now. Keep up the good work. I'm curious as to your thoughts on why there isn't more outcry. Oh, there's a lot to unpack here. You're going to love this. I'm curious as to your thoughts why there isn't 
more outcry for the win rates of decks like Shuri slash Sauron and Discard. Well, we don't have don't have the actual numbers. The third party numbers show win rates that are much higher than some of the more controversial cards. Some of their win rates are over sixty percent, which I don't think cards like Alioth or, Alioth or Mobius ever hit. Do you think this is just because these car- these are cards that everyone has, so no one complains about the win rate? No. I think it's because those win rate stats aren't real. Yeah. Uh, I have a I lot you. of issues with a lot of the trackers, right? And I still use basically all of them. But like, let me just run through like the baseline here. Every single time I sort, uh, first of all, data is only as good as the inputs. Like the, your conclusions you draw are only as good as the inputs. Uh, on untapped, there is something insanely weird going on. And it has been going on for like a month where there are these Agatha decks with extremely high tracked win rates for absolutely no reason. There are also these like random pile of card decks that have high win rates and negative cube rates. Again, I don't know what's going on there, but someone is inputting data that somehow doesn't make a ton of sense. I don't know how. Uh, I don't know if it's like someone I don't want to speculate on it. I, I just know I just know that when I see the end result is when I sort by win rate in the infinite bracket, what I get is like uh, Loki, Agatha, Loki, Agatha, 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 right? Like that's not right. <laughs> like something is wrong there. I don't know what it is, but something is wrong there. Meanwhile, over on SnapFan, they have this recurring issue, which I think is... I don't know exactly how solvable it is, actually, where when you look at a deck's win rate in the mirror, it'll be positive because the people using the tracker are going to be generally more invested in better players than the people not using the tracker. And the people using the tracker are the people, you know, are playing the deck. Right. So you have like the deck's win rate ends up being like 55 percent in the mirror because the people who are playing it and using the tracker are better. And that just seems like a thing that should never, ever happen. But that's how they track their data. So like, let's let's start with that. Like these are websites that have like large flaws. Uh, Secondly, I think a lot of my perception, at least, is colored by my experience in high infinite and, of course, experience in tournaments. So in as much as tournaments even still exist, there people are prepping for one now. So like experience in terms of how we judge these matchups. If you want to say everyone in high infinite is wrong and discard is actually super sick. I wish you were right, because I actually really want to play discard. Uh, I've been trying to justify it for a little bit now, but it's just a little bit worse than the other stuff that people are playing. I don't want this to sound like, oh, discard is terrible. It's not terrible. It's a fine deck. It's just not exactly the kind of thing you can play without accepting. I'm probably giving up some percentage points by playing this instead of Loki or, you know, some werewolf deck. I'm probably giving up some percentage points by doing that. And that's just something I'm going to have to live with. Um... As far as, yeah, I think that pretty much covers it, which is to say, like, first of all, sort your data by infinite only because that'll get rid of the bots, right? Uh, every, oh, here, here's a, here's another tip. Anyone using below infinite data is absolutely full of shit. Uh, there are bots in that sample. And so one of the things I'll see is, like, someone will post an untapped win rate and it'll be like 110 games of data or whatever, which there's no actually there's no issue with like 100 games of data. That's like totally fine. 
But like someone will post an untapped win rate and it'll be like a cube rate of like, you know, 1.5 in those hundred games. And it's like, okay, well, that's clearly below infinite. This is this deck is bot farming, right? Like that's no one has a 1.5 cube rate in infinite. That's just not really a thing. I think I've seen people who are like, like the, the, the most impressive cube rate I've ever seen is big baby had like a 50% win rate, but like was plus a hundred cubes over like 300 games of Mr. Negative. Right. That's like incredibly impressive, right? That's amazingly incredibly impressive. It's not approaching a 1.5 cube rate. <laughs> like that. I don't know. I just think that like a lot of the, the numbers are very easily used to misrepresent things is how I would say. Do you have any tinfoil hat theories on why the Agatha? No idea. I, I I'm, I'm here. My best guess is that it's like the the monkeys and typewriters thing where Agatha like there's just like a bunch of people playing a bunch of different Agatha decks because like it's sorted by infinite. Right. This only shows up when you do 100 plus. It's people in the dumpster booster farming, maybe like it's something yeah, like that. If it's actual bots. Actual right. Like bots. that. Yeah. Like it's like actual bots. And then like if they if they throw enough Agatha decks at the wall, eventually one of them will hit a series where it's playing only other Agatha bots and has like a 60% win rate, right? Like that that's just yeah. mathematically a thing that will happen. And I, I wonder if there's like an Agatha bot bracket in Infinite. Yeah, because I actually haven't looked into it at all, but I wonder if there is a black market for, you know, black market, but yeah. a way to buy like farmed up um, Marvel Snap accounts that have been botted. Yeah. I, I wonder why because would, like why why would you buy that if because it probably has the most tanked elo of all time. <laughs> well, it would also have it also have like if okay let's say that I had a system uh, or you know a setup where I could farm ten thousand accounts per week and they could they would do all of the quests or rel let's say we even made it an imperfect software so it was like eighty percent of the quests per week. And I just ran that constantly. I right. Mean, I, I, the you know, the question would then the be, road, have, why are you running the untapped tracker to do it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's that's the weird one. Um, yeah, I, I, one. I, I don't untapped get it. Untapped tracker makes, makes you think it's not a bot. Uh, but I, I would not be surprised if there is people selling Marvel Snap accounts via bots. Because, I mean, if you've been farming that stuff for a couple months, even six months, I mean, you'd have something that's actually worth value, right? Because it does take time to farm up um, through Series 1, Series 2. Interesting. Yep. If, any, if anybody knows about that, let us know. <laughs> if right, anyone knows why these accounts keep showing up, please let us know. <laughs> some some freaking devout Agatha players. It's so play. weird. Here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it right now just to see just to see what the numbers look like, just to illustrate the point. And it's going to be what's what's going to happen, of course, is it's going to be like, aha, KM, you idiot, you fool. You don't know anything. All right, so check it out, right? The second highest win rate deck by sorted by in infinite 100 games is Agatha, right? 66% win rate, 850 games, cube rate of 0.14, Sunspot, Nebula, Iceman, Squirrel Girl, Elsa, Scorpion, Silk, Shauna, Hulkbuster, Kazar, Spider Woman, Agatha Harkness, right? The fourth highest win rate deck. Agatha, 64.7% win rate, 900 games, 0. 0.01 uh, cube, right? Sunspot, Ant-Man, Nebula, Spider-Ham, Iceman, Rocket, Squirrel Girl, Silk, Morph, Kazar, Blue Marvel, Agatha Harkness. 
Uh, the the like this is just a thing that shows up in their win rates every so often. And I don't exactly know why. Like there's just something going on where this is a thing that shows up and I don't again, I can't really explain why. It's a conspiracy. Yep. I will figure it out one day. Somebody's gonna spill the beans on what's going on with the Zag at the Decks. All right, this next one comes from uh Agon. They say longtime listener, first time commenter here. I I am what you may call a small spender. I buy the season pass and some small good value bundles here and there. I may spend around twenty to twenty five euros on the game every month. I'm see I'm collection level seven thousand five hundred, missing eleven cards. If I spend all the resources I have saved right now, I may be able to get three to four missing cards. I do agree with the idea of not needing a full collection, but now with new cards every week, even season pass even season pass weeks as per data lines, every new card brings series five and no series drops in sight. It's become clear to me that it's not only impossible to keep up, but the gap will keep uh, broadening unless I step up my spending. Now I guess I can just stick to uh, stick to getting the meta defining card, which they usually pair up with the season pass cards and the banner, by the way, for each month and leave the rest for the next spotlight rotation. But what happens with season pass only players or free to play players? How will they keep up with the uh, series four, series five bloating and the new four slash five cards every single month plus the season pass card? Thanks always. Nice to hear your takes. They'll have to do something. And I don't I don't mean they as in the players. I mean, they as in second dinner, like there is a point and we're coming close to it where the new system is worse than the old system. And that point, I believe, is about 46 cards in series four, series five. I, I want to say it's something like that. Uh, that was math done before the thousand tokens were added into the caches. But like that's even with optimal behavior, right? Like not opening until you have all four things like that, you know. So one of the things I find so interesting is just how many people do not have optimized behavior with regards to spotlight caches and don't seem to realize how bad that is to Hmm. not have optimized behavior with regards to spotlight caches. Because it doesn't feel bad. Like intuitively, you're just like, well, I'm opening these or I'm not opening these. But the reason optimizing your behavior with spotlight caches is so important is not just so you can make sure you get the cards that are meta defining, but it's so you can pick weeks where you're missing three good cards. That's the dream. That's the thing you're really aiming at when you're optimizing your behavior with spotlight caches is there's going to be a week where you are missing all three cards and you want all three cards right? There's going to be a week when that happens. And I think, you know, for some people that could have been this week, right? You're missing Loki and Mirage and you're just like, oh, damn, this is a great week for me to open, right? Like, and if you are missing Loki and Mirage and those are the only things preventing you from playing Loki, then yeah, it is a great week for you to open. Uh, That said, I will say that one of the other things that people tend to do is they open for cards and not decks and you have to take both of these into account right like obviously you want to open for three cards but if they're three cards you're not going to use then it doesn't actually matter as far as what second dinner has to do they have to do some series drops they can't keep releasing these cards into series four and series five and not dropping cards they just have to do something about it like i i I, there is a point at which this system becomes worse than the old system we are rapidly approaching it and they need to head that off before it actually becomes worse yeah and also spending like, i don't know i'm trying to think of like 
obviously it's contextual, subjective, but even being a lower spender like this person says they are, spending 25 euros a month on this game to keep up with the meta, I just wonder, like, is that sustainable for most people playing, or does it just get very fatiguing, and do they lose a bit of hope as they fall further and further behind with this system? I just don't know what is don't the know. what is the exact spending number where it's like it's like okay. <laughs> like I this is one of those things where it's like I just wish we had access to their metrics, right? I wish we knew what it is that they look at. I like I can't answer any of these questions be, that are about like the health of the game because if I do, I'll just be talking out of my ass. The best I can do is guess and recommend. And my guess is that series drops successfully did whatever it was they wanted them to do or ending them did that and restarting them, they would be risking whatever status quo that they're currently happy with. Right. Like, but by the same time, at the same time, they have to restart them. Like they can't just keep stacking it up forever. Right. (laughs) Like you can't just do that. At some point people are going to be like, yo, this is not for me anymore. And so like, like, yeah, I, I actually, I, I, I would not want to be in their position right now. Like, imagine you're the guy who was like, yeah, we're going to do these flexible series drops. I have all these ideas for it. And then what happens is like, as soon as as soon as you're like really excited for flex drops, you're really excited to like keep the game and be able to be free to play. And then as soon as you don't drop cards for a month, whatever metric that your boss looks at is like the best it's ever been. And then you just have to be like, oh, I guess we have to not do this anymore. <laughs> imagine being that guy that must suck like i don't know i i I don't want to be like i feel like right now they're in a position where their model ended up Mm. being much more extractive than i think any of them would have pitched almost purely by accident does that make sense yes like short short term versus long-term modeling is an interesting concept And so now you have to, like, convince people that it's a good idea to do it again, even if it makes number go down. Right. And like that seems that seems hard to do. I mean, but that's the thing is like number go. okay, so maybe number goes up this month, but does it keep right? And do we do we create this sort of this bloat, this baggage, this are we accruing this debt where we're basically pissing off our players enough and making our game hostile enough? that it will eventually lead to number go down in the future. So like someone someone brought this up to me and I never played Clash Royale. Mm -hmm. So people might have to like, you know, correct me on the details. But like one of the things that someone brought up to me in this context was like, yo, Clash Royale used to do stuff like this. Like they would just like make a change and you'd be like, oh, surely this will be like so anti-consumer that it would kill the game. And then it just never did. And like, like, it's just like, oh, that's that's like, I don't even I, like I'm very sympathetic to like every bit of logic behind the series drops thing. Right. Like like you, you you do series drops. And then you're like, OK, no one's buying our cards. And so you're like, all right, so what are some cards we can leave in series four? That's Dark Hawk and Null. People are going to buy those still. We need to like beta test this. If we don't drop these, are people going to buy them? So then it's like, all right, so we have Dark Hawk and Null in series four evidently that was successful because they went forward with it. They were like, all right, this worked really well. People were like absolutely happy to buy Darkhawk if they didn't think they were going to be getting it for free. So now all we need to do is convince people that they're not going to be getting shit for free and they will go out and they will buy the new cards too. And that has clearly worked. Like new card content used to do pretty poorly for me. 
New card content does really well now because people want to know if this is a card they should buy because they have the ability to buy it now thanks to the spotlight system. They can actually go out and get it, right? And I think that's a little bit fascinating, first of all. And I think second of all, it's like, okay, so this all has to be taken in the context of spotlight caches too. Because people talk about like series flex drops as like a thing that does only exists as, as its own context because it was announced separately to spotlight caches, but it was very clearly a precursor to spotlight caches and very clearly a way to get Darkhawk and whatnot into the spotlight cache pool as opposed to not having them in the spotlight cache pool. So it has to be taken in that full context, right? So like people are like, okay, why don't they do more series drops? It's like probably because whatever it is that they're doing is working and they're not necessarily just making a lot of money, but also increasing access to cards. And I would be willing to believe, at least until we hit that point, that this new system, even with no drops, with spotlights and all of that, is actually better than the previous one with drops for everyone except the specific player who was optimizing for never spending any money and just, you know, waiting for the cards to drop. Yeah, it's <laughs> there's a lot that goes on here. I mean, also, the idea of like short term versus long term modeling on the profits, right? Because if you looked at Magic the Gathering, Magic the Gathering cut out its Pro Tour at one point. I mean, if you were going to ask yourself, could we make more money in Q1 January if we completely canceled our professional tour? Yes, you probably would. You probably would make more money because you would cut out this. It'd be longer than Q1 spending. Jan. It'd, exactly, it'd right? But you, you would. Like if, you, if we just were like, hey, can we delete this thing? We put millions of dollars into every year. Would we have more profit? Yes, probably. But it's like, what is the long-term payout of a system? And... Like, what is the long-term ramifications of cutting it out and sort of pissing all your players off? And yeah, I, it actually I is know. a lot like that, right? Like, it, I, I do actually think it's a lot like that, where it's like, okay, it clearly... I don't even believe necessarily, like, I feel like the implication people are going to take a lot of this is like, KM thinks they that they're making a lot of money and so they'll never change it back. And that's not what I'm saying. I don't even necessarily know if it's money. I suspect, like, I, I take them at their word a lot, right? Maybe I'm stupid for that. Uh... I don't think I am, though. Um, they said they were worried that people weren't buying new cards. It could just be that the metric they're looking at is, hey, there's a lot more engagement with new cards now. And I think that actually undeniably is true. There is a shitload more engagement with new cards. Yeah, maybe. Like you said, with the Clash Royale thing, that's fascinating where they keep implementing these anti-consumer practices and people just keep buying it. It just keeps making the game more successful. Like, yeah, like, like that, that, that's maybe, something maybe mobile games like it just doesn't matter. <laughs> like, well, maybe maybe mobile games are so degenerate that they're just for this like sub genre of people that just do that. Like, do you know how much money I've spent on Warcraft Rumble? <laughs> oh, my God, please don't. No, uh, it's like less than a hundred dollars, but still. OK, that's fine. It gets worse, though. It only ramps up. Like, right. It's kept ramping up and they keep showing me bundles. And I'm like, oh, awesome. I'll take that. I'll take that. And they finally got to a bundle that I don't want. And it's like, ah, OK, we hit the point. <laughs> like, We hit the point where it's like up, up, up. That's bad value now. Sorry. Yeah. I Warcraft Rumble is they have a goal for sure. And they're trying to emulate one of the most, you know, toxic games that ever existed in terms of monetization. So like, uh. Sure. I don't know. That that game, like I said, the, it's the PvP pay-to-win that annoys me more than anything, but outside of that, it's like, it's a fun game. 
Um, but yeah, to my point, I was like, I wonder if these mobile games are just meant for like a genre of person that that will just indiscriminately spend, right? And they they really don't care. And that's that's who they're targeting. And they're just gonna, you know, we all feel like they're kind of shitting on us a little bit with some of these changes or like some of these systems, they don't seem to scale. And we're like, how are we gonna keep doing this? They're, I I can't be free to play. And like maybe the game is like you come to this conclusion is like maybe the game is just like not designed for us. Not I don't come like this. again, like this is this is where like I feel like you're so much more pessimistic on this than I am. I just like to throw the other side, right? Like I don't think I'm pessimistic on Marvel Snap because I think it's the best card game ever. Right. Like I just like, <laughs> I feel like I feel like these like there's just so much of this like God, I don't even know. I feel like the game has gotten more and more accessible over time. Except if you literally want to spend no money and be competitive. And it's like, maybe that's not a goal you should have. I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's what I was saying, too. It's like maybe like there are situations where it's like maybe this game is just not made for me in the way that I right here. Here's the frustrating bit, though. Like there are two kinds of people this game is not made for. This game is not made for a person who wants to spend no money and be competitive. And we can look at that person and say, all right, you're being unrealistic. But this game is also not made for someone who wants to spend two hundred dollars on the best deck in the game. Right. Like Mm. I don't know how much a good magic standard deck costs right now. I'm going to I'm going to go check uh goldfish. yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go check goldfish and just see what the prices are at right now for like a standard deck uh downside here is that you have to play stand yeah i mean yeah okay so like a standard deck you could go get azorius soldiers it's 20 percent of the meta it costs 157 dollars and you could go take that to an fnm and probably do well if you're not an idiot i guess i don't know uh mono red 14 percent of the meta uh 76 dollars right like you could go out and you could just like get these decks and you know that's not like i picked the cheap ones right like uh esper midrange is like 500 dollars, and as far as i can tell it's like the actual good deck so if you want to like like that one it's different right like but like this is a different model obviously you can't map this stuff one-to-one but like the kind of player who would want to buy a $75 deck to like play an FNM for three months or whatever, mm. that that guy can't do anything like that in Snap. It has to be like a dynamic yeah. experience instead, instead of a static one. There is an interesting point that is underlying your what you're saying, which is it's funny in Magic. You would never hear someone say, fuck magic i can't be free to play and be good at this game that's what i mean right like no one in any other card game would be like yo i can't be free to play like what are you talking about but to be fair to be fair there there is an axis there in which it kind of makes sense where not intentionally or not intentionally magic cards are assets that can be resold and you can recoup your investment right and you won't recoup your investment though because there are an there's an entire industry of people who are going to pay you 73 cents on the dollar so you're not going to recoup that nevertheless it is an asset where with marvel snap it is it is absolutely not an asset correct you actually don't know anything yes there's a bit of a difference there um i don't know if that completely bridges the gap or makes it make sense but uh physical tcgs do have that 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 difference where you are actually buying something that you now own where in marvel snap we are actually just spending money into a bit of a well right with these digital assets i got jpegs dude they're fungible as hell though (laughs) (laughs) they are are fun (laughs) they are fungible as hell also like it yeah i mean the concept that like you buy like man 
can't wait for this peach. I thought about the the psychology behind of like why I buy um, variants and stuff, and I'm like, hmm, this this is actually doesn't make a lot of sense. It makes no it's sense. Just, I do it anyway, though. You know what does make sense though? Mm. If it's cost five dollars or ten dollars, and it brings me an hour of joy, you know that's fine. It's a fine rate. I'm good with that rate. That's a fine rate. But the fact that I get joy from it is kind of weird. <laughs> I don't know. Um, all right, on to my favorite question. This is from John Donovan. I don't know. I could be wrong. I think that you mentioned how much you weigh last episode. Um, I'm pretty sure this is not referring to your bench. I'm pretty sure this is referring to your personal weight. Kate. Okay. This is why this is my favorite fucking question in the whole entire world. Great. Like, is, is that 275 pounds or kilos? <laughs> <laughs> no, that actually is referring to my bench. Thank you for telling me it's referring to my weight, though. I appreciate you. No, I dropped something I last mean, episode about like pause repping 275. That is 275 pounds. Oh, okay. I thought you said you were 275 because I remember you benched three plates and that's like. I do. I do. Weight. I mean, I, I like I, what I was trying to do is focus on like time under tension and uh, like mm-hmm. like yeah. specifically end, doing some lower that. weight training for that. Uh, and then what I realized was and I don't know why this is like it's, it actually really pisses me off because I think it's because like just my shoulder is the way that it is. But it hurts the same and I have roughly the same control and time under tension to do eight reps of 275 and eight reps of 315. And I don't know why. Why are they the same amount of hard? Mm. It doesn't make That's any sense yeah. to me, but I tried it yesterday. Because I've been, I've been trying to go like lower for the time under tension stuff. And I was like, uh, I don't know. That, that actually kind of like, you know, my shoulder is like a little sore. So I was like, all right, what if we just did the 315, did the same amount of reps, did the same amount of stuff? Would it would it change anything? And it changed nothing. It changed absolutely nothing. It was just like, why I, why does it why does that feel the same to me? I actually pause rep to end every single bench workout. Um, like the you go down like three inches off your chest, you hold for like three seconds. Oh, and Jesus. No, I'm doing like you go down on your chest. You let it sit there. You go up. You should try the hold. It's pretty terrible. It's great. Yeah, that sounds like, awful. I don't have a spotter, though. So I don't have a spotter. I mean, you do lightweight. You don't do something okay. ridiculous. You got to yeah. cut the weight a little bit. I, <laughs> I, I mean, both both instances of whether this is asking about your bench or your personal body weight. Personal body weight is a bit more extreme. But 275 pounds of kilos is a funny question because I mean the difference is astronomical. It's <laughs> like, it's it's incredible. If I if I was putting up 275 <laughs> kilos, I would be at least be a strong man. Yes, you I would be, be a strong least. man. Yeah. I don't even know if people can do that. I don't even know what is the unshirted max bench world record. What what is what is unshirted referring You don't to? know about a bench shirt? Is it that one that like helps you arch your back? Yeah, like it like racks your racks your thing okay it is apparently wait 30 what <laughs> is it number high or what the number's so high what the hell 1300 are you saying 1300 yeah the number i saw was 1300 uh that, that can't be tons. right what what is what is the what is the hold on yeah that's all right max bench press record it Okay, yeah, there's a guy benching 1,400 pounds. The hell? Oh. That's shocking to me. So that's that's with a bench shirt, though, to be clear. Okay. Without a bench shirt, the record is 783. So 300 kilos, 355 kilos. Yeah, so nearly world record bench 
two seven LB two seven KL here. <clears throat> I mean, respect. <laughs> yeah, my man thought you could throw the real weight. Yeah, I mean, I could I could throw I could throw some big boy weight. My max bench of all time was like four fifty five, mm. which I doubt I could do anymore. That was pre shoulder stuff and pre me getting fat and lazy, and I was like twenty six or something. <laughs> like that was shit. That was pre COVID. So I, I, I doubt I doubt I'm in that range anymore. I've been doing home workouts for a while. That was back when I still went to the frickin' gym. Mm. Uh, but you have you have a bench in your house. Right? I have a bench yeah, in my house, but it's not the same, right? Like it I I've been really missing the gym, honestly. But I, I'm too addicted to being able to take my pre-workout and then go to the bathroom and then go right to the gym. I can't do that if I have to drive somewhere. Yeah, don't you also like take breaks in between your workout and like go watch stuff? And sometimes, sometimes I'll just be like, ah, I'm not feeling it, and I'll come back to this like you know it's four hours later. <laughs> That's the luxury I get. I get to just be like, ah, I'm not feeling it. I'll be, I'll be fine though in a bit. In a bit. All right, all right. We have one list to hit here before we close out. This is just gonna be the gladiator list that you posted on Twitter. This is Hood Forge Spider Ham Nico. Black Widow, Falcon, Shadow, Werewolf by Night, Beast, Gladiator, Shang-Chi, Octor Octopus. So Just talk to me a little bit about this. Okay, the, the, let's let's get this out of the way. I credited this mm. list to Dara JN because that's where I saw it. A bunch of people in my comments were like, yo, no, actually, TLSG made this list. So what I, I did was I went and looked, and TLSG uploaded his video on Wednesday, and Dara was playing this list after gladiators release uh and they were like a little bit different and they were different by like one card which is the card i cut anyway but like the point uh, the major point i want to make here is i want to talk about something i'm going to be like as honest as i possibly can about this and I, I realize it kind of makes me look like a jerk to say it and i apologize for that i got a lot of comments in my youtube video on the stack that were like uh <sighs> You're a jerk for not accrediting this to TLSG. Actually, this is a TLSG deck. He never gets the credit he deserves. Stuff like that, where it's like the implication is that I am excluding TLSG from like the streamer club and, you know, that I don't like him or that I'm like purposefully miscrediting it. And it's one of the things that really pisses me off about debt credit in the first place, because I don't get any credit for being someone who gives a shit about giving credit to people. I get no credit for that. In fact, it only ever gives me grief. Because I am someone who gives a shit about crediting people, people feel like they can get up my ass about it when I get it wrong. Which, for the record, I went back and checked. I took time out of my day to go find out the exact time at which each of these players both played the deck. And yeah, Darrow was playing it as soon as Gladiator released. I was right to credit it to him. But even if I wasn't, I would still have been right to credit it to the first fucking person that I saw. I get nothing out of giving people credit other than giving them credit because it's the right thing to do. And all I get as a reward for that is a bunch of fanboys up my fucking ass that I didn't give their guy credit. And that really fucking sucks. And I am so annoyed by this. And I get it. It kind of makes me a jerk to be annoyed by this. But it's like to the point that if I see anyone doing that shit to other people in my name, I will ban you from my communities. Please don't do that because I can tell you 100% when I see those comments, they do not make me like 
you or the creator that you're representing more than I already did. TLSG is the nicest guy in Marvel Snap. The absolute nicest, the coolest. Like when I first went, started making content, one person reached out to me, one person ever reached out to me and said, hey, if there's anything I can do to help you, I would like to do it. Please let me know. That person was TLSG. He is the nicest, the kindest person in the world and definitely in the Marvel Snap community. And so I totally understand if you feel like you want to go out there and rep for your boy because I get it. He is a great guy. But I can tell you that when you leave a comment like that in my mentions, especially if you're acting like I'm a waiter who brought you the wrong fucking food, especially if you treat me in that way. All it does is make me not like you and not like the person that you're doing it for. And I have to actively remind myself, like, look, no, this is not TLSG's fault. It's he's got fans. They're going to do their fan thing. It's not his fault. But the fact that I feel like I have to think that, that I have to remind myself of that, it pisses me off. It pisses me off that you you guys acting in that way is such it, it, it causes me to, like, have negative feelings towards literally the nicest person in the entire scene. It sucks so bad. And I realize some of that is on my end. I like it's it's my fault too. But like I saw someone doing that on Twitter and I was like, please don't ever do this again. Like they were like, actually Kay invested this. Like don't do that to people. Please under no circumstances do that. I don't mind giving credit. I like giving credit. It's the right thing to do. I want to put people on. It makes perfect sense. But I do mind people acting like the fucking net deck police, because first of all, just like the normal police, you're wrong all the time. And second of all, just for the love of God, lay off. (laughs) I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah, that credit is pretty funny. Am I uh, off base on any of this? Like, I, I realized when I went into that, just like, man, I'm probably going to sound like a jerk saying it in, the, in that in that way, because like, it's not anyone's fault. But it's like, I still read all my I mean, comments. And when I read those comments, it's just like, are you guys serious? Listen, there's plenty of things that I'll read every day or whether it's on this pod or another pod, Twitter, that are just annoying. Uh, plenty, plenty of things. OK, for instance, something that wasn't annoying, wasn't annoying, but was actually on this this week's pod. I, I don't want to detract too much from the subject, but it was a comment on this week's pod. And there's a person talking about how they they work 60 hours a week, they don't have time to be super good at the game, and they listen to this podcast just to get better. And they were remarking on one thing we said, specifically they said it was super condescending and it bugged them for weeks, basically, at this point. And that was that we said Wave is the Turing test of Marvel Snap. And they interpreted it like, if you put Wave in your deck, we're calling you a bot. But what we're really doing is when people tell us, like us, me and KM, when they tell us that our decks are bad because they lose to wave when they don't, that is the Turing test. Those people are bots. Like, that's what we're saying is like the people that are coming at us talking shit about like bounce, like bounce sucks. It can't be wave. Like, all like we that's funny. No, not because you're. I will say, I think that's a you thing. I tend to not think like. Not to get all up yes, your ass but, on this, but that's not a me thing. <laughs> exactly. So it was like, they'd also mentioned some other things as well, but they were saying like, basically like it had really bothered them. But I was just like, I was reading, I was like, it's it's just weird because like that was absolutely not about this person. That's like all I can say is like, it's like, it's totally about somebody else. It's not if you play wave in your deck, 
It's like if you're saying that all these other decks suck because they lose the weight when they actually don't. Right. Yeah, we called that a Turing test. I mean, I again, like I try to take like this is this is the thing. It's like if someone left that comment for me, I would not be annoyed by it. I would try to take it seriously. And I know that sounds oh, weird, it, but like uh, it definitely. Yeah, I said it was annoying, but it didn't annoy me. I was just like, hmm. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think I think it was interpreted the wrong way. It was interpreted the wrong way, but there's a lesson there, right? Like, you know, we can be more specific in our phrasing. I do wonder, though, to be fair, there is a balance, right? Where it's like, yes, there's there's a balance it, at which was it is it, no was longer it, was our it, responsibility. But I remember well, that also, but like what what? But like, was it funny enough that it was like? Because <laughs> like, I thought it was kind of funny at the time. And I was right, like, yeah, no, I mean, like, they're, like if it offended if it offended one out of a couple thousand people, sure. it's like maybe it got misinterpreted. It's like I don't know if that's right. Like, you got to play you know, the really odds. Weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm playing. I'm playing the over under here on like you know was actually an offensive over. thing to say. Like, yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm like I'm just like mm, you know you're not gonna hit you, you know you you're not gonna hit 100. No, I like I don't exactly. know. Maybe I maybe I over give credence to that. Like maybe that's why. Like I tend to believe that most people are being you know not necessarily rational, but acting in such a way as they believe they're the good guy in the interaction, right? And yeah. I feel like that is how I approach most of the comments. And I guess that's sort of why all the comments bothered me, because it's like you realize all you're doing by doing this, especially if you're wrong. But if you're not, I think I think I think the thing that bothers me is that they were wrong more than anything else. Actually, like the more I think about it, it's like if this was an actual correction and I was actually wrong about, you know, where this debt came from, that would be that would be something. I'd be happy to put that in. The in. L. Yeah, I'll take the L. I've done that before. Like I'll be like, I don't know whose deck this is, and the comments will be like, oh, this was cozy. And then I'll be like, oh yeah, this is cozy's deck. But if you're just gonna be wrong about who created a deck, and I'm sure both of them came up with it at the same time. I don't really, I don't really again care to investigate beyond what I did, which is one of them is a live streamer and one of them is a YouTuber. So I can't know which of them immediately cooked this up first because they're in different mediums. But the fact that you didn't do any of your research and then demanded that I do research is kind of what pisses me off, right? Like you didn't go look at Dara's VODs. I did. You didn't go look at TLSG's upload time. I did. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't the thing know. Is deck, deck credit logistics is like a kind of ridiculous concept. Basically, you credit the person you got it from. If yes. that's not the original person, take it up with the person that credited it to. Like, not me. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I literally, like, we're talking about Marvel Snap where there's, okay, there's select number of content creators, a select number of YouTubers. But if we expanded this game like 100x, I mean, this is like eventually it actually becomes logistically impossible to actually find the origin of this. And also, it doesn't really matter. Like, Credit is great when it's possible, but when you when it's not feasibly possible and you're just trying to share a deck idea with somebody and then you're like, hey, I'll go ahead and give someone credit for this. It's like, yeah, when that bites you in the ass, it's kind of annoying. I understand. <laughs> it's so frustrating because like I am specifically like the only guy who cares about this. <laughs> like nobody else does this deck credit shit, man. Like not like nobody. I don't think it's nobody. I think I think that's actually a very unfair thing to say. There are plenty of people who do. But I am probably the person that, like, if you care about it, you're not you don't want to yell at me because all it does is make me want to do it less because, you know, who doesn't get comments about this is people who don't give a shit. You feel like you can tell me about it because I care. 
right? Like my caring about this is actually a weakness. It makes it so I am more vulnerable to people doing this, not less. And that's frustrating to me. I feel like I feel like instead of instead of reaping any benefits from doing this and I'm it's not I'm not going to stop. Right. Like, I, but it has only ever brought me negative interactions is being wrong is so much worse than being right is good. Being right gives no benefit to me ever. You want to know? Uh, I'm going to close this out too because we definitely we've been, we've been ranting. But um, something is funny, and I want to say this just for just so people are aware of it. Um, but basically, I've created I've created channels content in three different niches at this point. Something that happens at the beginning every single time. And it's funny because it happens, particularly because it happens, it happens at the beginning. It's like all the toxicity in like negative comments usually happen at the the impetus. Of something especially if it's when a game first comes out because sometimes in those games the sort of the competitive players i mean it's cringe to say but like the thought leaders the content creators they haven't been established yet so you'll have people really come at you for things that are maybe a bit off base and for instance with lorcana and podcast so moyen who's been on this podcast joins me on that and the amount of flaming and just angry hateful comments people screenshotting that just goes on with that pod is absolutely insurmountable i'll tell you as well cam because i i don't think you were reading the comments back in the early days it happened with this podcast too i do not read the pod i do not read the comments on this no it's really it's really screwed up because it it only happens at the beginning actually and that's what it's like i i can't imagine what it's like for an actual brand new content creator to go through that because it's brutal and people yeah, are like, no, I actually you I'll tell you reminded me. Like I saw a guy, been, I saw a guy who posted a video about like his about like I posted like a community post on YouTube about like how oh here's like a free code for a hundred credits. And all the comments were like, uh, oh wow, I'm rich now. Thanks so much. And you're like being a dick to him, and it's like, what the fuck did he do to you? <laughs> like I mean, I mean in like yeah. What's funny, what's funny too is like Moyne's probably one of the best card gamers in the world and probably yeah. is one of the best minds for it as well. But there are like there are people who will <laughs> that are like insistent on playing cards that like uh, some trash card that two for ones himself and because Moyne said it was bad, they like this guy's a fucking idiot. And it's just like they have no idea. They have no idea. And like I don't know, it's just funny because that that part in particular. I mean, because Moyne, I guess he's new to this, so he's been sending it to our group chat and stuff. I'm like, bro, these guys like that are like making fun of you or whatever and whatever fucking discord like these people suck like just don't pay attention to that like i don't know why but this always happens in the beginning it happened the snapshot too interesting and i mean yeah. i I, I, I never read our comments because if i read them i would spoil myself for uh the these kind of episodes yeah all of our comments i would say 99 percent, 95 are very very positive engaging i mean i think i mean this this podcast particular probably has the best community i've ever seen to be honest um but yeah, I, I I pity people who in, you know get into content for the first time and potentially go through something like that because especially if you don't receive like immediate success on your channel and maybe you stay in that phase for a bit longer where you're just in this sort of micro phase where you're trying to grow, trying to get out there, trying to get exposure, and you just find all these kind of like gremlins on the internet that just want to be mean to you and try to push you down. It's really weird that they exist, but they definitely do. And like I don't know, I've literally experienced it now twice in a row and i see it happen on these smaller channels all the time yeah, yeah no I mean, I mean like I, I i here let's do some shout outs uh someone who's really fastidious about giving credit uh snap judge uh snap judge cast glazer uh really fastidious about giving credit 
I know that Dexter is pretty fastidious about giving credit. I know that Cozy is pretty fastidious about giving credit. I like there there are a ton of people who do do this. Uh and they don't have they're not like amazingly fastidious about it, but like they try. And I guess I just, you know, if my 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 overarching message is if you have ever felt the need to go into someone's Twitter mentions or YouTube comments and say, "Hey, you copied this deck from Cambest." Don't ever do that again. Thank you. Yeah. All right. That concludes episode 46. If you enjoy this podcast, then the one thing you do is leave us a review. You can do that at ratethispodcast.com slash snapshot. You can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify directly. It really is the number one thing you can do. Like we talked about, if you want to get your comment read out on next week's podcast, you can do that on the Bend and Snap. Next week's going to be huge because I'm actually going to be back in person with video so you won't see him talking to a picture. The most upvoted comment yesterday was some people were saying that it was oddly hilarious watching you talk to a picture for an hour, but that's going to change. That's going to change. We're going to be back. At Enjoy. Home with the setup. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And uh, while on YouTube, like, subscribe. It helps so much. And uh, Twitter's Brendan APG, KM SMS. KM is streaming. KM, your Twitch schedule. Uh, evenings. I do evenings. You can find me in the evenings. Twitch. I'm playing Marvel Snap. It's, it's the game where we Marvel and Snap. And I just slammed my mic into my laptop. Okay. Thank y'all so much. I'll see you next week.